Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is a painter. That's right, folks, a painter on a film podcast. Who would have thought it? Welcome to the show, Vincent Kemp. Hello. How the devil are you? Very well, mate, very well. Now, listener, the listener may be recalling horror for a second, but let me just calm you for a second. Vincent's done some, some has got a show coming up. Uh, what's the name of the show, Vincent? It's called the Long Game. Okay, and I think I think it's safe to say that that that, that you're drawing on sort of iconic images and tropes of uh, of gangster cinema. Is that safe to say? Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. That's that's what inspires me completely. So uh, everything that I'm doing, in fact, is is influenced by cinema and film and and TV now, really, as that's really sort of snuck in there in the last few years. So do you want to describe the long game then as, as, as an exhibition and what it, yeah, when, yeah, us, absolutely. When, when is it first? Let's give us the dates. Uh, so it's from the 8th of November until the 24th, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, in, uh, it's in Mayfair in London um, at Clarendon Fine Art. Okay. It's on Dover Street. Um, and uh, it's sort of typically a... Um, you know, a, a show at a gallery is just a bunch of paintings on white walls, and it's all, all a bit sort of, um, bit, bit uninteresting, really. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to do something completely different in that. You know, each of my paintings is, is uh, has a narrative. You know, there, there's something that I've intended, and then there's something that the uh, the viewer sees, and they, you know, they build their own story around that in in very much sort of the way that sort of film and TV spoon feeds you the whole plot, the characters, everything. Yeah. Uh, a painting is just that one moment, and it's quite often, you know, the 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 punter, the the viewer has to do a lot of the legwork. So I thought, well, all right, we've got these these characters, you know, that I, I'm photographing in a scene. Why don't I create an entire narrative? I'll, I'll have something like a screenplay that I will then take 
frames from like our storyboard in oil paintings throughout the gallery and uh, so we, we've got a story that takes place uh, at um, a sort of a sleazy sort of after hours poker club and um, I'm going to tell that entire story through paintings but I'll have all the characters from those paintings uh, there on the night of the uh, the private view oh. uh, so we'll have the poker table there all sort of 20 actors that I, that I hire will all be there playing poker and then I've also written this sort of monologue of a guy, a witness who was there that night and we've filmed that and we're going to show that uh, on the night as well so that will tell the story and then people can look at all the paintings and, and meet all the actors that were in the you know in those paintings as well now we've uh, we, we, bef- listen wouldn't have, before we started uh, recording we both we, we shared our uh, mutual appreciation for uh, Stephen Pressfield's um, War of Art book mm-hmm. about, about this basically you know the act of doing as opposed to not doing um, so, in terms of that, what, what, how would you describe your sort of process as a painter then? When you know, when obviously you decide on what you want to paint, but how do yeah. you go, what's your process from getting from from paintbrush and paint blank canvas to a finished painting? Well, it starts well before that. In fact, painting is kind of like the last ten percent because okay. it starts with uh, writing a story. Uh, mm-hmm. So I come up with an idea of a story, and it could come from any. Anything really, in much the way you know that you write screenplays. Mm. I, I actually start with something like a screenplay to begin with, mm. um, and it, I'm sort of creating it all visually and, and writing it down because that's what I've I've always done. I've always written stories as well as painting, and so I start with that, and uh, and then I go about like looking for my uh, characters, and my venue, and you know I get a casting director and he helps me then place ads and then we audition in a similar way that you would uh, to a film, except of course there won't be speaking roles necessarily um, but they they will have to have some sort of acting ability because when, when I create these scenes we sort of act them out in a way so I can get really interesting poses you know if you're sort of moving people around like mannequins it's sometimes a bit difficult to really get something natural something that really looks interesting mm. and quite often I'll set the scene I'll, I'll give the story to the actors and they'll they'll see it and read it all out and they'll sort of and then they'll bring a lot to the table so it becomes a lot more of a collaboration uh, really so you know then i get them all on set and uh, you know we'll have some uh, actually I had a cinematographer last time helping me out as well with lighting and and setting up some of the shots uh, we had hair makeup and armorer you know we have all those sort of those people that you would find on a on a film set or a, or a big photo shoot and then um, you know I, I take a lot of pictures and then have to sort of start compiling those pictures and photoshopping and moving things around borrowing heads from this and hands from that and and you know, so before any paint hits the panel, it's uh, it's a massive long process, which is why that whole Stephen Pressfield, you know, is about doing the work, man. It's like mm. long days, lots and lots of thinking and writing and note taking and organising and putting the whole thing together is is masses of work. Yeah, I've interviewed artists before, who, 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 and it was it was a surprise. It was early on. Somebody said to me, he doesn't actually separate the bit you would call the making the art from the administration and stuff that gets you to the point where you make it. You know, it's like he, he sees it all as one process. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's, you know, it's the whole thing. It's, you know, right from, from the, uh, you know, the, the sort of concept that you start with to, to the finished product. There's, there's a, I mean, it evolves massively from that initial idea. Um, but then, you know, the painting that sits right at the very end 
is uh, you know is the realization of that process but it's uh, god it's you know it's there's so much that goes into it because there's so many people who are brilliant at painting i don't know like a vase of flowers or some classic nude you yeah. know brilliant brilliant painters but where's the idea you know where's the concept where's the story where's everything else that goes into it um mm. you know so yeah it's a, it's a lot man it's a, it's a big thing well, look, uh, c- congratulations on the show then, because it's a solo show as well. Uh, yeah. It sounds like, a, sounds like a fascinating way to, uh, to sort of approach art, not just like you say, to sort of go into all the effort in terms of the, the narrative around what you're painting, but then to create a show that is an extension of that, of those themes and ideas that your paintings explore. <clears throat> so, so to, uh, as a way of, as a way of, uh, of shoo-on you into my podcast yeah. format, you've now, you've now become the first person to do what I'm now calling Five Great British Gangster Films, which is, a, is an extension of a, a series I was doing called Five Great British Horror Films, which I think, yeah. if I just talk to my editor now, John Baker, who runs the site, will love this, because British Gangster Films are essentially, I think, what draws most people to the Britflix website. So I think you've started off... I think you're starting off something good here, Vincent. Excellent. <clears throat> Well, look, sir, let's, uh, without further ado, and just so, just to explain to people who haven't heard the, the horror film font before, and just to remind you, we're going to do five films. I'll do them in, uh, in date order they were released, but I'll, I'll prompt you. That's not a test for you to remember what the dates were. Right. I've, I've got all that written down. So you just react to the, you react to the film titles and we'll start talking. Yeah, um, sure. You'll get five minutes, and then uh, when, when the five minutes are up, Bob Seger's going to sing Pack Up Your Bags and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end the chat wherever it is. Like Mastermind, you, you may have started, but you won't be able to finish. Um, it's, uh, it's, I'm not that dogmatic. You can finish. What if it's genius? What if there's some major insight? Vince, it's Vincent, going to cut me off. Vincent, Vincent you, can be the judge, you can be the judge of that. Because, <laughs> there because will be it, no insight. Don't be, worry. Because if it's not genius, you'll stop talking. And if, <laughs> and if it is, you'll carry on and I won't interrupt you. It'll just be crickets. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Let's start off with uh, Great British Gangster film number one then. On your list, released in 1998, is I guess in a way, it's safe to say that as far as British Gangster films go in the 21st century, this is the, I guess, the kickstart to it all. Uh, Guy Ritchie's um, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah. So, well, what was the long Good Friday? Was that before that? That's that was before. That, that was before, yeah, but no, but in terms of... In terms of where we are, in terms of a trend in films, I mean... Yeah, all... yeah, you're right. That's you... definitely the one that was a real game-changer for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, like, you know, you don't... I mean, you've got the business in the, in the list and everything, but you don't have the business yeah. without lock stock, you know, and all no, that. No, no, no. So, do you want to tell us what it is, what it is, you, you, you know, and, and obviously relate it to your painters, if you feel it fits. Uh, what is it about, yeah. about lock stock that appeals to you? Well, Lockstock, you know, as we said, it's one of the first um, real kick-off films. It really was a massive game-changer for British movies, I think, mm. in going to the cinema. And before that, you know, there were it was all about American films, and I think this one really sort of set Britain amongst the sort of cool movies. And the characters, for me, my all my paintings are all about characters, right? It's finding really interesting, fascinating characters. And all of the guys in that film were just brilliant, you know? It's one of those films that when you watch it, now it's almost like oh it's almost a little bit cringy in a way because some of it is definitely a little bit sort of hammy you know but 
the characters are just brilliant in it. Every every one of them is just totally lovable and engaging and exciting. And, you know, I mean, it's such a quotable film. Everyone's always been quoting from Lockstock. And uh, I, I think it's set really set things up for you know there's so many sort of copycat trying to copy you know guy Ritchie's very sort of stylized cuts and and things like that after that um but i think that one really kicked it off so for me lockstock is is the one that you know has a really good feeling about it because i, I just remember going to the cinema and with my mates and just thinking oh my god that was so fucking cool i can't believe that that's um you know that's british filmmaking now well, in a way as well, 1998, that's a year after uh, Tony Blair got into power. So you've right, got, yeah, you've, yeah. You've got, you've got Rule Britannia, you've got Rule Britannia, Cool Britannia even, should I say. Yeah, yeah. Going, going on at the time. Um, so there was, a, there was a kind of confidence, I guess, in, in, in British culture. Never mind, uh, you know, that the film, the film is trading on as Absolutely. well, don't you think? Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, it was definitely because Britain wasn't very cool, really, and and definitely, you know, all those sort of crappy British sitcoms and shit like that. You know, that was really Britain, and you know, there was you'd get Bond films and stuff, which were always cool and whatever. But the but this was, I think, what really sort of said, yes, look at this. You know, these are the first proper cool gangsters. You know, in their proper hard nuts and. You know, there probably were a few movies before that, obviously, you know, like Bob Hoskins and that, you know, longer fry. But this, I think, was the first real cool one, you know, where they were they were all the same age. You know, when I went to see it, we're all the, I was the same age as the guys in the film, you know, so it was. Well, um, yeah, it was, it's, yeah it, as I say, it's sort of it's, it's a kickstarter, really, for a, for a sort of malaise that, that had gone on where, um, where I guess I guess it's a it's a celebration of a certain type of heritage that isn't period or, you know, merchant ivory. I guess that was, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of British cinema and the way we project ourselves out to the world, culturally speaking, is indebted to our class system in a way that the the upper classes get to have all the fun and all the games. And here was a film that was celebrating nothing to do with them whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, totally. I loved it. Vinnie Jones, you know, there he was. Not even, in fact, many of them weren't even actors. I think Jason Statham had never done anything before either. He was like into diving, and I think he was, I think he was actually selling perfume on the street. And when Guy Ritchie saw him do his little bit of patter there and picked him up from there, you know, and the same with Vinnie Jones, he hadn't really done anything either. And uh, and while he wasn't a brilliant actor, he was a brilliant character. You know, it was just uh, there's just so many moments I think in that that just you know really stand out. And uh, yeah, classic. What was what for you? What for you is the favourite scene? Oh shit! There's just there's loads of great scenes. I loved it with the Northerners sitting in the uh, in the office, you know, uh, uh, with um, oh what's his name when he's got his big fucking dildo, he's whacking it on the desk, and oh there's loads of loads of scenes. There's the scenes in the flat where all the lads are together, you know. There's the the stoners up at the top. There's just there's so many little moments, little little vignettes, you know, where you can just suddenly just pick out like all these little moments. Finney Jones smacking that geezer's head in the door and he's going absolutely fucking bonkers at him and uh oh there's just there's tons and and what do, what do you think um what do you think it says about london well i don't know really it's, i mean it, taught, it it does give you the feeling that 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 london has got that sort of uh that underworld element that before i think it was probably all a bit sort of big ben houses of parliament and all of that and then i think maybe this helped because it, there we go, Bob oh, Seger. I was like, what's up? I thought that was my bloody phone. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Now, uh, sticking with the theme, because actually in, in chronological order, you might be surprised to learn, the next yeah. film in your list is, is Snatch from 2000, yeah. which is obviously the sequel to... Um, or, or, yes. the, or the fo- film that follows on from Lockstock. Uh, some of the characters are, are, are continued. Um, interestingly, it's uh, it sort of... It, it, it's about a fortnight earlier than Sexy Beast, which is the one we'll do next. Right. Uh, so that's not a bad month in the year 2000. Um, yeah. August through September, we get Snatch and then uh, Sexy Beast. So, so in a way, what 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 was? Um, I guess I guess I guess um, Guy Ritchie was sort of building on a on a successful formula, but he he it was sort of bigger and bolder, wasn't it? You suddenly oh, yeah. you suddenly now got Brad Pitt in the. Uh, in the cast, so now we're not we're not messing around anymore, are we? No, no, it's definitely. And I think um, Brad Pitt actually asked to be in it after seeing Lockstock. He mm-hmm. actually was like, "When you next do a film, you know, I want to be in it." And I think Guy Ritchie. I mean, this is the rumor. I think Guy Ritchie actually said, "Well, actually, I'm doing something at the moment. If you're into it." Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, there still wasn't a massive budget, so I think Brad Pitt either worked for free or for very very little money, mm-hmm. which shows really you know how important that lock stock was you know to, to be able to then get that big name uh, on board and there was a real i think there's a real maturity developing in the filmmaking as well with um with snatch you know it was that much more slick and um I mean, people think that it's the, at least the people I've spoken to think it's not as good as Lockstock. And I was like, no, this, this is a different film altogether. You know, the characters are are way more menacing. You know, Bricktop is just so frightening. You think it's this little wiry old man, really, but fucking hell, he's so scary. You know, it's really, I I think it was, it really showed, um, you know, the development because as far as I know, Lockstock was very much a, a sort of um, quite a loose sort of screenplay that um, what was it? Trudy Styles it who had it developed and changed mm-hmm. and really she really worked with with uh, with Guy I think to develop it more and I think uh, with Snatch it was more him like developing as a director. This is me just guessing, right? I don't. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, but yeah. It no. definitely seems that way. It really does seem that. And, you know, now it's starting to get more into, like, the sort of, um, you know, cinematography, this art direction is definitely much better. That scene, the boxing scene, you know, the way that is shot and, you know, Brad Pitt falling back into the water, that sort of thing, it's starting to get much more intelligent, I think, with... with, um, with those sorts of scenes, and I really love that because even now, and I haven't seen Snatch for a while, that is such a clear image in my head. You know, when when that that guy punches him, Gorgeous George or someone punches, mm. right, and he goes flying back in the air, you know, and then lands in a pool of water, you know, and, mm. and sinks down. It's that is so clear, and I think that's a mark of a really good film when an image like that can just stay with you for such a long time. Um, just the lighting, the grit, the you know, it's sort of David Fincher-esque, really. It's kind of Fight Club, you know. It's that whole sort of very gritty, dark sort of look that I really love to try and achieve in my paintings as well. So I think uh, it, it's things like that that really drew me to Snatch. It, you know, so that's why I included it as a kind of a different movie, really, even though it's by the same guy. Mm. I like it for different reasons. But also, it's, it's, was it was also interesting. Is that, I mean. Uh, Brad Pitt plays uh, an Irish gypsy traveller, but but uh, it also features uh, the very iconic uh, 
Benicio del Toro and Dennis Farina. Right. So, so there's a there's a there's a very much a kind of arms across the ocean as well about this, where the kind of British and the American gangster sort of films come together a bit in Snatch, don't doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good point. Absolutely. It definitely becomes much more of an international film now. And even sort of showing that the American gangster and the British gangster are on sort of level playing field here with, uh, um, yeah, that whole section in Hatton Gardens. Yeah, I was in Hatton Gardens just recently for something else. Anyway, I'm going off at a tangent. But, um, yeah, that, that area, of course, is tied in with sort of gangster flicks and crime for, you know, for years. So it was good to, to see that in there. And why, why do you think that the gangster film is such a... Uh, such a, such an interesting subject to mine, as it were, for creatives. Well, you know, I, this is my feeling is that because everything is so bloody safe and sterile and boring and predictable, you know, I think that that human beings need a bit of uncertainty, a bit of danger. You know, if you think about our ancestors, sort of thousands and thousands of years ago. There was danger all the bloody time. It's like built into our DNA to have a bit of danger in our life. We need something to challenge us. And because we don't get it in our daily lives, at least most of us don't, mm. you know, going to the cinema, whether it's a gangster flick, that's why I think horror is so important. Yeah, shut up, shut up, I've got finished this. That's why, uh, that's why horror, I think, has such a following, because people don't get scared enough in their real life, and they want to go in the cinema and get bloody scared, you know? I think it's a natural instinct for people to get that bit of fear. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say on that. But. No, I think you said it well. Um, so, um, stylistically, a, uh, a, a, a jump into a very different type of gangster film with uh, Jonathan Glazer's Sexy Beast, which was, like I say, was like released two weeks later than, uh, than, than, than Snatch. But... Uh, but different, different for, for all kinds of reasons. Do you, want to, do you want to talk about what appeals to you about Sexy Beast? Well, Sexy Beast, first of all, it's a, it is a great story. But this, for me, is like an absolute tour de force in character here because Ben Kingsley, fucking hell, you know. I think, did he get a, an Oscar or supporting actor Oscar or something for this? I think he got some sort of award for this. But that character that he plays... Uh, Don Logan, I think he's called, yeah, he is, is so flipping frightening. The way he goes, no, 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 you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. No, no, fucking no, you're doing it. I'm like, oh, shit. It's like little Ben Kingsley is so frightening in it. He's this complete psychopath. And you just have this, well, I mean, obviously it's Ray Winston playing opposite him brilliantly. You know, you can see the fear in this guy. You don't, they don't tell you why he's so scary or what his real background is, but you can tell by the way they react around him that this character this, that Ben Kingsley's playing is so frightening and you just don't say no to him that um, that I just, oh my God, I just loved it. It was brilliant. And, then, you know, I can sort of remember the story, but I just remember, again, the characters so clearly in that, that this crazy Don Logan guy... Um, and there's like these dream sequences as well, like kind of almost like a Donnie Darko, this rabbit sort of that appears to, um, you know, our, our, our main character, Ray Winston's character, mm. uh, that you keep seeing these little flashes, you know, this, that he's been tormented by this former life that he's had because he keeps saying, you know, I'm retired, I'm retired. And you kind of get that feeling like, oh, but there's something about that former life that he kind of wants it back again. And uh, I think that tussle, because he does end up doing it, obviously, the job. Um, but do, 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 do you think, in some ways, though, it's about the idea that you can you can never not be a criminal once you've been a criminal? 
I think definitely there's the adrenaline rush, isn't there? There's an addiction to that sort of life. I mean, you see his life in, in Spain that he keeps trying to reassure himself, you know, like, who are you trying to convince? He goes, no, I love it here. I'm retired. It's hot. It's so hot. I love it. You know, it's all, it's so comfortable. It's, you know, he keeps sort of telling himself and all the people around him, but you feel like he's telling himself that, you know, he loves it. He loves it. But does he really, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, I think it's kind of in you once you're there, once you've tasted it like that. I think it's probably quite hard to to back away from it. But it's also that idea of uh, I was reading some stuff about about crime and the, the the psychology of crime and stuff. And you know, as you said before, we we, we live we live most of us live a fairly sanitized, safe life. That that, that that you know we mitigate most risks in it. And uh, and we might fantasize about doing all kinds of things which are not not legal. Uh, but we don't. Not yeah. the vast majority of us don't act on any of it. Um, so when a criminal does it, they've they've essentially moved out of the "what if I did" into the "I've done it," and therefore you can no longer go back to fantasy because you really are, from that day forth, a, a, a someone who's, who's broke the right. law. Because if, yeah. you, if you've, I mean, and I'm talking the sense of if you get away with it. I don't mean. Yeah. I don't. I don't mean suggest for one minute if someone serves their time. That they're, they're, that they're tagged as a criminal and therefore they should never be judged anything but. But if you've got away with it, as Gal has in, in Sexy Beast, yeah. and you're now living off your proceeds, the, the Sexy Beast is like a, is almost like a reminder that you don't just walk away from this. You either get caught or you die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is... there's no escape. There's actually a scene, I think, where... Um, Don is at the bar with Gail going, you know, people like you and me, Gail, we don't ever walk away. We, you know, it wasn't ever about the money. It was always about the rush, always mm. about the, you know, the crack and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, you definitely get that feeling that he doesn't, like, immediately say, no, 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 I don't need that anymore. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, he struck a nerve with him, but he does still need it, you know. And it's got an amazing performance from uh, Ian McShane in that one. Oh yeah, Ian McShane is brilliant in that. Absolutely brilliant. He's so cold in it. It's fantastic. I feel like I feel like in Sexy Beast, he kind of he 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 he, he, he while he'd obviously been a very successful actor in his life, it's almost like Sexy Beast like rebooted the sort of the range he had almost. Yeah, but you know what's weird is like even though I know now that you mentioned Ian McShane, I'm like, of course Ian McShane is brilliant. I just feel like Ben Kingsley's role just has has made it like, oh yeah, fucking Ian McShane was awesome in that as well. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like I had to be reminded in a, in a way, really, that yeah, he does play a brilliant, you know, character. There's Bob telling us to uh, to move on down the road. Uh, right then, now we're going to jump a few years from uh, from 2000 to 2004 to uh, to I guess I guess this is where when I say that. Um, that 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 Lockstock was the start of something, then I would say that that Layer Cake would never have got made in two thousand and four had there not been Lockstock to start with. If that makes sense, that's yeah, yeah. Oh, like I you agree. said, obviously Long Good Friday, um, Get Carter. They're obviously classic British gangster movies yeah, of our yeah, times. Yeah. But in terms of what we have now in the twenty first century, um, and obviously uh, giving us giving us a taster of who would then go on to be James Bond. Is, right. uh, is is layer cake and it's a layer cake's good good it, one of layer cake's big things is the fact that it's it's kind of telling you one story isn't it while yeah. at the same time there's another story unraveling that it won't reveal until it really wants to yeah 
it's hugely complex, isn't it, Layer Cake? Mm. It's just like, oh, there's so much going on. But that's Matthew Vaughan, isn't it? And mm. he, of course, is tied in with uh, Lockstock. Was, he in Lock, was it no, Lockstock? No, yeah, no, he was, he was involved with that, yeah. Both, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and Vaughan is, is like, well, you know, he went on to do massive things. And I think that uh, Layer Cake, um, again, brilliant characters in there, but you can see how much more professional a movie Layer Cake is uh, in terms of the way it's shot. You've now got, like, brilliant cinematography. Uh, who's it? Ben, ben Davis, I think is the cinematographer in there. And so you've got these beautifully framed shots, beautifully lit, graded. It's now a really professional gangster film. Mm. You know, it's, um, you know, even like Sexy Beast, you know, The Business, uh, you know, Lock, Stock, Snatch. These films are, they're, they're good, they're nice, but this is like, you can see the professionalism, the slick edits, the, you know, the really beautiful framing, really sort of developed characters brilliant acting you know from everyone it's just like oh okay this is matthew vaughan i think really showing what what he's going to do and um and and i think it is a a real step above you know those other movies at least my opinion you know just it looks much more um much more professional and there's always that certainly with um with the british gangster film there's always that kind of I guess not moral ambiguity because they're, they tend to be immoral, whereby it's anti-heroes rather than absolute heroes that, that yeah. sort of help tell the tale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know the other thing that I was just thinking about there is that these characters here, there's no... I mean, I think there's one scene of kind of excessive violence mm. where I think uh, where there's Morty and he starts attacking some guy in a, like in a greasy spoon, just like smacks him like crazy. But you don't have to like see it, you know. It's a, it, it's done really cleverly. You you still have that fear element without it just being really blatant, really obvious. You know, I really like the way that that it's um, the characters are. You know, they're proper criminals, they're proper gangsters, but without it just over-the-top, crazy, cockney, you know, like all the sort of funny cockney rhyming slang business and all of that, it's like, it doesn't have to necessarily go that far without it, you know, so that it doesn't become a sort of a bit of a parody, you know. I think it does a really good job. And, you know, Daniel Craig, he says right at the beginning, I think, that he's... In, a businessman rather than a gangster or something. And, of course, it is a, it is about business, and it's... You know, he plays it so cool. I really like the way that the characters are kind of a bit understated. They don't become caricature so much. I guess, I guess, I gotta say, I guess, I guess that's one of the things about it is that if if you can view it as business, then the the law you're breaking is just another variable to manage, isn't it? I suppose if if you think of the the drama of it. I remember I rewatched I rewatched Ridley Scott's The Counselor not long since. And oh, yeah. uh, and the cartel guy is because because uh, the Michael Fassbender character is very much in that in that in the uh, the realm of Craig's character where it's someone who decides to get into crime as opposed to someone who's a who and therefore gets embroiled in crime as opposed right. to someone who's a life criminal and therefore yeah, that's yeah. all we know. So there's this idea of once you're in it, you don't choose to get out of it when when you do. You have to you're now locked in. You're in our game, as it were, not. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, there isn't there isn't another life that you can escape to. One of my favourites is in this one is uh, is is and it shows you that kind of power play of of how 
respect and fear of gangsters is something that's, that's always interesting in the characters of, of, of gangster thrillers is Michael Gambon's Eddie Temple character. Yeah. Who's like that kind of almost like, almost cat, cartoon to a point, but, it, but it's that idea of, well, well youth's on your side and you could probably take him, but his own, his own provenance is what makes him intimidating, you know, what makes him intimidating. But that's the clock yeah. on it. I talked just at the end of that one, so apologies. No, no, good, good. I'm glad you finished that. Yeah, that's absolutely. The, no, I agree, absolutely. Gambon is brilliant. He, he he can't really put a foot wrong. So it's uh, yeah, he's amazing in that. Right then, sir. Now our final film of the five is uh, one of my favourites, uh, 2005's The Business, directed by uh, one of uh, cinema's angriest directors, Nick Love. Judging by the uh, judging by the uh, the. the the director's commentary on Outlaw, which is a, which is a very angry. I don't know if you ever listened to that. It's no. a, it's a work of art in of itself. Right. Um, oh, seriously, he uh, he doesn't commentate on the film as much as 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 denigrate the whole of British society for not liking <laughs> not not liking his films enough. Um, but that's it's, it, we'll check it out for, for yourself. But go on. So yeah, tell yeah. us tell us what for you because because uh, like Sexy Beats, this this plays with the. Uh, with the notion of the uh, escape to the sun for the fun, as it were, but obviously yeah. this is. But in this one, it's uh, like the, the, the going to the sun is, is no escape at all. It gets it just gets worse. Yeah, it's um, well. This, this again is um, this. This is also a, a bit of a nostalgia trip for the eighties, you know. Mm. Which is it's just it's got so much all the sort of Tashini tracksuits and and uh, you know like old Porsches and things like that and. Uh, Costa del Sol sort of stuff, which I kind of grew up with as well. So it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure in that sense. Um, but uh, Danny Dyer, like I, I remember someone telling me, you've got to watch the business. It's like, like you, you'll never believe Danny Dyer because normally you think, oh, Danny Dyer, well, bloody hell. But this is definitely the performance of his life. I think it's. Um, well, it's a proper, it's a proper coming of age story in in, in a gangster sense, isn't it? It is, and he's and he's believable, you know, because it is a bit caricature in a way, but he's totally believable because I knew guys like that, you know, mm. who were a bit like white boy, you know, this man, the white trainers and all that, and the flash cash and 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 all of that, and um, and he does a really good job. But um, oh, who's the guy that he plays with the um, what the young ones? No, the older guy that who owns the club, the main the main. Oh, Tam- Tamara Sam. Yeah, he is because he's also in um, Layer Cake, of course. He is, yeah. Um, he, you know, he's kind of the quintessential gangster, isn't he? he just sounds so gangster, and mm. and and the the sort of the way that you see him coming from, you know, this high spot, this success, and this slow, slow sort of, um, you know, the greed overtaking, and, and and him just like his fall from grace is uh, is just brilliantly done from beginning to end. You see the way that he changes. Um, and the way that Danny Dyer sort of grows in confidence and, and sort of almost, re, you know, replaces him, really. Uh, that, that's a really nice sort of... Um, and also, really obviously, also, this was like the year after uh, the, both Danny and Tamar had, had, had been in Nick Love's uh, adaptation of Football Factory. So Of course, yeah, bring, Football bring, Factory. Oh, my God, I need to see that again. Yeah, but, I, but I forgot you, that. I don't know what you remember of uh, Jeffrey Bell's uh, Sammy character, the... Uh, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, that's one of the craziest gangster characters I've seen in a long while. He was. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, his his best mate. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of. I guess he's. I guess he's channeling a bit. It's almost like a kind of. Um, a sort of. 
revved up version of what Kingsley was doing in, in Sexy Beast. You've got yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Jeffrey Bell's character Sammy is is just nothing is logical. Everything is psychotic or nihilistic, one or the other. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no there's no plan in action. There's just let's do. Yeah, I think that the difference there is that Ben Kingsley is so unhinged that there's 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 no predictability in, in a way. Whereas I think with Sammy, it's like you know that he just wants to cause trouble. You know, he's mm. just the fucking troublemaker, and you know that he's going to cock things up if he can. Whereas you can see that with with um, Don Logan, you know, he's talking to himself in the mirror. He's like he's completely and utterly out there. Mm. It, it's it, that's what makes it so frightening, I think, with him. Whereas the Sammy guy. Um, you know, he's got the girlfriend, he's got the house, he's held that down, and he just wants to, like, create trouble, you know. And, um, you know, I think that with with the business, which I absolutely loved, the ending kind of, like, left me a little bit like, oh, man, what's that, that whole bit with the sewage pipe, you know, mm. where he's, like, where he sort of um, frames him up. And um, mm. I kind of felt a little bit disappointed because I enjoyed the whole thing from a visual point of view. I loved it, loved the... Uh, Danny Dyer and, and Tamara Sands, you know, their their relationship, that whole thing, the Costa del Sol, brilliant. And then just at the end, I was just like, oh, really? Ah. I don't know. It just sort of got me a bit as, you know, maybe they just couldn't think of a good way to, to knock off Sammy. <laughs> well, look, I think we're just about to get, I can see the clock. There we go. There goes uh, Bob Seger to... to uh, to tell us with five minutes are up. Um, well, look, thank you very much for um, for giving us your thoughts on what is the first of a sub-series Five Great British uh, Gangster Films, which I think will be fun to continue going forward. So let's remind people then, um, what's the name of your exhibition, when is it and where can they go and see it? Um, it's called The Long Game. Uh, it's on uh, Dover Street, Mayfair. It's Clarendon Fine Art is the gallery. Mm-hmm. And it's on from the, uh, well, actually it's the 9th of November to the 24th. And there'll be uh, there'll be screens and iPads around so you can watch the little short film and see all the, the paintings. And, um, yeah, it should be interesting. If you've never been to a, an art show or a gallery or seen oil paintings before, I, you know, this is a bit different. This might be a, a nice way into sort of looking at art. Um, at least that's what I hear from people (laughs) Okay, well look, thank you very much Vincent Camp You're very welcome, it was good fun The Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page All contributions are welcome And the music is by Chris Reed of the composers.tv
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 